Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Keyshawn knocks the ball away. Foster got it back. Keyshawn got it back. Out to Williams for the slam dunk. Nervous time for the Rebels. Blackshear passes down low to Baker. Underneath shot blocked oh. by Ham. What a recovery by Royce Ham Jr. Wow. Here come the Sabres right to left. Quickly out in front. Pen stop by Leonard. What an opportunity and what a big time save. Stopping Dylan Cousins. Patrick deals across to the right. Intended for Patrick. Check tightly, and now it's out in front, they score! Pacioretty to Stone, and the Knights lead 5-1. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday, Cofield and Company. Ari's here, it's Cofield. Ari, of course, in our Finley Toyota Studios. Crazy times. I open up every show the same way. Like, it's nuts. Uh, there's a lot going on, ton going on around the sports world. And if you want any proof that Vegas is freaking sports central, like, we knew these couple of weeks were coming where we'd be stacked with a bunch of different events for you, the listeners and sports fans, to, to go to and follow. And now that it's here, my Lord. We are Sports Central. It is crazy what's coming up. And keep in mind, we're a month away from March Madness and, what, five college basketball tournaments in town. I think I have the number right, five. Big West will be here as well at the uh, new arena on Green Valley Parkway in Henderson. So, like, it's in these next couple of months, it's funny. Ari and I joke about this all the time. Uh, we do on the show. Um there are folks, I guess, who, who are in media who, and especially sports radio folks who are after the Super Bowl, they're like, whoa, whew, it's tough. It's tough. It's a slow period. Not, not in Vegas. Not in Vegas. Because, like I just said, we have all these events in town right now. You hear coming in our local NHL team playing, right? Right down the road, UNLV's playing basketball at the Thomas & Mack. That was going on last night. We got the East-West Shrine Bowl, which is an amazing event we'll get into here inside of a couple of minutes we got the pro bowl going down the nhl is going to take its break for the all-star break the nhl is going to be here and then obviously all this leads up to right i mentioned pro bowl but all it leads up to the nfl making us the big headquarters after the super bowl and the nfl draft at the end of april so it is a nutty time it's a fun time and you know, these are the cool things for Vegas. If you haven't been to some of these events, because, well, they haven't been here, you can get into many of them for a relatively cheap price. You get access to all these pro athletes and college athletes. So take advantage of it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So the East-West Shrine game is going down. That's tomorrow, 5 o'clock. They got a tailgate at 2.30. I'm telling you, folks, this is a great event to go to. We're talking about some of the great college football players around the country. Later on, we're going to talk to a couple of the quarterbacks. Brock Purdy is here from Iowa State. Skylar Thompson, big-time winner at Kansas State. We'll also talk to uh, some of the running backs, one of them being Ronnie Rivers, who's an NFL prospect, absolutely an NFL prospect. 
maybe the best out of the uh, Mountain West Conference along with our own Charles Williams from UNLV. So I'll have conversations with those guys. But I was out there this morning. The tremendous benefit to this one is it's not only an all-star game with college football players, but the ticket money and everything else raised around it goes to benefit the Shriners Hospitals for Children. And today's event, there were dozens of the kids who are being treated by the hospitals, right, which is freaking tremendous. So many cool stories. Uh, they had some older kids who, you know, were treated 15, 12, 10 years ago. They're doing well. And, again, the money goes to – and the tickets are as cheap as 19 bucks to get in. The tic- the uh, money goes to the, uh, the Shriners Hospitals, which is – it's just such a – tremendous deal and you know for many of you you haven't been inside our stadium right we spent all this public money on the stadium take advantage of it and it goes to a great cause so the tickets are available at shrinebowl.com shrinebowl.com and if uh, you need need a little uh, extra motivation this is a game that goes all the way back to 1925 extra motivation to buy some tickets the uh, the mission of the hospital and the shriners is uh providing advanced care for kids with orthopedic conditions uh, burns uh, spinal cord injuries, cleft lip and palate. So, and that money goes to those families and those kids, uh, regardless of the family's ability to pay for services. So, really cool, really jazzed up about it. We'll, we'll get into that a little more around 3.45 of this hour. Uh, today was also, you know, I, I mentioned all the uh, NFL and uh, that college event going on with uh, East West Shrine. Today was also signing day number two around the country. UNLV had a, a press conference. Marcus Arroyo spoke on his middle class because here's the deal there's an early signing day there's a late signing day and because of the transfer portal and so many kids high school kids not getting locked up like they used to because of the transfer portal blocking them at different schools kind of a wait and see a lot of prospects uh, marcus Roy i mentioned today you know they've got all the way into the summer to keep adding new recruits whether it's kids out of high school or Folks out of the transfer portal and the, uh, you know, some of the big stars that they got in the uh, transfer portal. Harrison Bailey is going to be added to the quarterback room. He's a transfer from Tennessee. Ricky White, former top 100 recruit, uh, top 50 recruit at wide receiver. Ricky White, the third from Michigan State, is in. And we'll get to the rest of the class um, in the 5 o'clock hours. We'll break it down a little more. But much more crowded quarterback room with higher level prospects and the wide receiver room for the Rebels is now very crowded. I don't I'm not going to say loaded cuz I haven't seen the new guys who are coming in, but the holdovers were very good. They got beat the hell last year, so you got holdovers that way too, guys who went down at different points in the season. So, uh, it's one of the things I talked to uh, Marcus Royo about today. It's like, hey, uh, common sense would say if you have a, a this many wide receivers and this kind of competition at quarterback, you guys may, you know, change up the offense with Charles Williams gone and throw the ball a lot. So, we'll tell you what he said a little bit later on. Uh Nice game last night. UNLV wins it 69-58 to against Reno. Why was that a big deal? Well, UNLV needs to kind of get some momentum and start winning, you know, two and three and four games in a row, and they haven't been able to do that. So they got a big win the other day at Colorado State. Reno, arch rival, has dominated the series. They had won eight straight coming in. They were beat up. They were the wounded. UNLV's been the wounded in a lot of these spots this year. So the Rebels took advantage of it, and Kevin Kruger after the game talked about big spurt in the first half where they had a good combo of offense, but especially defensive energy where they were able to stretch out a game that was around 8 to 10 points, and then all of a sudden you look up at the half, and it was almost 19, and they went to the break up 16. 
It was another great first half, one of our better ones. Um, even with the slow start and a little bit of a lull when they went zone there, I thought all in all, uh, we did what we needed to do, 42 points, shot it well. Um, you know, a desperation three at the end from almost half court would have kept them at 23. I think that's, uh, that's that was, well, it's really what became the uh, the difference in the game, just kind of that, that late surge in the middle to late into the first half. Yeah, one of the questions I had coming in, and I think it's been the question around uh, these UNLV-Reno games for years and years and years, this is a rivalry spot, and it seemed like a lot of the Rebel teams that have been put together with many transfers and some players from outside the market and, and quick turnaround or turnover to you. You had players in the Rebel program who were only here for one or two years that maybe they didn't get how intense the rivalry is, and, and you felt the energy from the Reno side that maybe they just in general cared about the game a lot more. Well, last night there wasn't any of those problems. In fact, uh, I had talked to Kruger at the half. Uh, this was after there was a technical given to Donovan Williams because he was talking a little bit of trash, and he said way too many guys were, were talking. Um, so after the game, he mentioned the emotions going into the half. They came out, and they were kind of in a, a, a little bit of a lull for the first morning, uh, first four minutes of the second half, but the emotions uh, in and around the game. Obviously, this that was a, a, an officiating crew that has a lot of games and a lot of experience. I thought they, they handled it great. Uh, they told our guys not to talk. They talked, so they teed them up. You know, and then, and then they got at the end of the half, they told they caught us uh, on the way back out and kind of explained what was going on. And um, and we told the guys and and they kind of settled down. But, uh, you know, you, you want that energy, you want that fire. You just kind of want it toward what we're trying to do. You know, go go grab a teammate and get them going. And, you know, don't worry about the opponent. But um, at the same time, you got to kind of find that balance and then uh, go from there. But. Again, the, the energy and the effort in the first half is what we're looking for. And that's not always easy. In the pregame, they made sure to tell the guys, you, know, you got a lot of new guys on this team, guys from the Big 12, you know, Jordan McCabe, Donovan Williams, Royce Hamm. Uh, they don't know about the rivalry, and Reno has dominated this thing, and Reno has been super over-the-top energetic, and Eric Musselman loved this rivalry, loved pounding the Rebels, offered, you know, has some knowledge, and we don't like offer here because going back to Indiana and UNLV, but they talked about the rivalry, and I thought this was really interesting. He mentioned one of the new assistants, Brandon Chappelle, you know, tried to make the connection in, in general. Hey, maybe you don't know about Reno and UNLV, but you know about rivalries. I mean, yeah, Coach Chappelle actually talked to him. You know, he asked, asked a couple of the guys, you know, who's your rival? You know, where you came from? And, you know, they, they all mentioned, you know, who's the player that you didn't like? You know, and they all had somebody. And I think, you know, that, that might help, but as all rivalries are, you know, they're built through time, you know, hearing about them seeing them on the news, seeing them in, you know, with these guys on social media, uh, you know, and all of that, you know, uh, playing them in the summer maybe or, or, or back home because a lot of them got, a, you know, similar backgrounds or AAU. And then, but uh, it's one of those things that's built through time, but they, I thought they clearly understood it. UNLV wins last night, 69-58. They beat Reno. They snapped the eight-game losing streak they're 13 and 9 they're 5 and 4 nothing to go crazy about but if they can start stacking wins here and beat other teams in the middle of the conference and start chipping away at teams above them like they did with Colorado State then they have a chance to finish with a good record maybe in the top five or six that's really important from a seeding standpoint you certainly don't want to be stuck on the first overall day of the tournament and I'm telling you this is a good team to follow these guys care they, they really do and the energy at the arena last night was very good. Royce Ham's a guy we've pointed to. He's the big man. He's averaging just under 10 rebounds a game. He's ready to go every game. So 
I noticed with about 10 minutes left, Kruger and Royce Ham were talking to each other on the bench, a little further down the bench. And it went on for a while. And I was like, well, okay, Royce is going back at Kruger and Kruger's fired up here. So we talked to him after the, uh, after the game and Kruger described what the conversation was about. He's a passionate guy when it comes to basketball, when it comes to playing. I think he plays as hard as anybody I've ever been around, you know, coach or player. And, uh, you know, he wants to play. He wants to help his team. And sometimes, you know, he'll look at me and I'll say, you know, I got to tell him, I said, Royce, you just played seven straight minutes. Like, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break here. And I'll be like, I know, but, but I, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. And, it, and you know, you're like, yeah, I know. And we, try, we believe that you can. But, you know, you got to take a break here. It's okay. Get some water and be ready. You're about to go back in anyway. And, uh, and but, it, again, it, it goes back. We tell the guys a lot. Like, if you want to play, you know, do things that get results. And so when he went back in, had a big and one, had a big rebound, ended up getting a what was probably a game ceiling block. Nine points, eight rebounds. Uh, Ham is the most consistent guy on the team outside of Bryce Hamilton in terms of effort and fire. He was really good last night. We'll get to a little more of the game. Donovan Williams, his return from an injury. He had a very good game. And then what's coming up for the Rebels over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, I was peeking into that conversation because I really couldn't hear them. I sort of imagine what they were talking about. That is not what I thought it was. Basically, it was Royce came out of the game and was mad that he came out of the game. And Kruger's like, calm down. Let's get you rested. Let's get you focused. I know you want to play. So that's, in the end, that's a a good thing, unless it spills over to where someone's complaining all the time. But uh, if guys are fighting for playing time at this point in the season, that's some good energy to bring to the floor. All right. We're going to completely go in a different direction. News of the day yesterday and today is what's going on with Brian Flores and his lawsuit. Uh, The NFL has had lots of issues over the years in terms of being diversified in the head coaching positions. There was a lawsuit filed. So perfect day to bring in our legal insider. Justin Watkins is on the way. I know he's very fired up to talk about this. Is this just a lawsuit for show or is something actually going to happen? Nova Home Loans brings you trending at three. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Cofield and Company on a Wednesday. Let's get to it. Justin Watkins is at the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. Justin, I know you're all fired up today. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man. You know, from from somebody who's into sports and and is a lawyer and tries to do this stuff, uh, you know, on on a weekly basis, this is like... This is some intense stuff with the Brian Flores lawsuit. You know, it's not as, as as crazy as Bounty Gate and all that stuff when we first got on on the air, but it's it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, to explain to the audience, so Brian Flores files a lawsuit yesterday, and you can stop me if I'm incorrect on some of the stuff, but uh, he's claiming uh, racial discrimination. He's got a bunch of different points uh, that he considers uh, evidence. Um, he's going after the Dolphins, the Broncos. And uh, why did I just blank on the other team now? The Giants. Um, so where do you want to start? You tell me. What What's most intriguing to you about this Brian Flores lawsuit? Well, from a sort of educating the audience standpoint, the the I, I I think one of the more important parts is the focus on the Rooney Rule. So Brian Flores and his attorneys point to the Rooney Rule and violations thereof or alleged violations thereof as a basis prove the the racial discrimination against black coaches in the NFL 
And I think it's important for the audience to know that internal policies and rules do not create laws. So just because the NFL institutes its own rule and the Rooney rule does not make that a law and the violation of a Rooney rule a de facto discrimination. Now, it is certainly evidence and they can present the evidence to the jury or judge and say, listen, they put this rule in place because they knew that the rules as they were uh, constituted were discriminatory in effect, not necessarily on its face against black coaches. And so this rule was intended on curing an already discriminatory system. And therefore, when you violate the rule, you are discriminating because the NFL's already admitted that their system wasn't good enough. Now, the yeah. NFL's probably going to have a tons of things to say about that. Um, and, and I don't think that they would agree on the, on the premise of that argument that their system is discriminatory in nature, like I said, in action, not on its face, and that the Rooney rule was intended to fix an already broken system. Um, I think that they would say they were trying to be ahead of the curve, uh, increased uh, diversity, racial diversity in the coaching ranks because it's good for the NFL. It's good for the players, not because they were worried about being illegal or you know violating any civil rights. So that that that's the first issue that pops out to me. What was the most damning thing that Flores talked about? To me, and the thing that nobody else is talking about, it's, and, and I don't know where this goes, but to me, the Stephen Ross offering $100,000 to lose a game, the, the thing that popped into my head is, uh-oh, that violates the Sports Bribery Act. It's a, it's a federal law. It's a crime. Right. And if proven, <laughs> does Stephen Ross lose his team? It is a crime to offer money for somebody to throw a game, even if you don't have a bet on it, to influence oh, wow. the outcome of it. So now this has not been tested. The Sports Bribery Act is a pretty weak act. It doesn't have a lot of teeth to it, I will admit. Um, and there could be an argument, a strong argument in, in Ross's favor saying, hey, hey, I already pay people the, the act says you can't pay anybody to influence the outcome. And Ross would say, I'm a part of <laughs> paying people to influence the outcome. I pay them to win and I can pay them to lose. I am part of the system. So therefore I can't be subject to the sports bribery act. And he's probably right, but there's a really good argument to be made that he's wrong because when he pays a player or a coach or a GM to, to win, that is disclosed to the betting public. And when he's made this offer allegedly to Flores to throw a game, that was not disclosed to the betting public. And now that we have the NFL partnering with sports betting with sports bet books, betting books and sports books. Jeez, I can't get the words out. Sports books. I think that there is a real risk that Brian Flores could be protected under whistleblower statutes and wow. that there could be RICO actions that the FBI, 
and federal agencies could put together uh, for situations like this, for purposely throwing games, even though it's for a draft pick and not for sports betting, if that is not disclosed to the sports betting public and they're betting on these games thinking they are bona fide games, they're damaged. Uh, I think that's the most damning, and I don't even know where that goes. And I don't think any any lawyer can say they know exactly where that goes because it has not been tested since the Supreme Court said uh, that sports that the illegality of sports betting was unconstitutional in 2020. From an attorney standpoint, when you're putting this together, we're talking about the Brian Flores lawsuit. Justin Watkins, our legal insider, is here with us on this Wednesday. When you're putting this together, do you ask Flores, like, hey, do you have proof? Like, do they need evidence? Like, what kind of proof does he have? I mean, he said, he said, how does this work out? Well, I have to say this. I thought the timing of the whole lawsuit was odd. At the time that they filed the lawsuit, there were still four coaching vacancies. And if Brian Flores wants to work in the NFL as a head coach, I, I know his name was still floated around Houston, um, but he could have tried and, and others could have tried to get one of those coaching vacancies. And if he didn't, then that's more evidence that he's getting blackballed by Ross for standing up for the rules. So that that that's... That's one thing. Um, and that if he did get the job, well, great. He got the job. Nothing's changing about the discriminatory nature and somebody else can step in that role. One of the other coaches who didn't get a job and he doesn't have to lose out on his future. Um, so I thought the timing was weird. Um, they don't necessarily need proof that there was actual discrimination. You have remedies if the policies of in place of an employer are discriminatory in their effect. So disparate treatment, even if on their face, they're not discriminatory, unless the employer can say that those, uh, those structures that are in place, those policies, those procedures, and those structures have to be in place in order to function, that there's no non-discriminatory alternative. And so they don't have to prove that Denver, you know, that the, that the interview was actually a sham. They don't have to prove that the Giants, when they interviewed him, had no intention of hiring him. I think that they could, I mean, that that's helpful if they could. Sure, but sure. when they're going to the statistics, I think that they could show that the structure is flawed. That how can we have 70% black players and... Typically, the coaches come from the player pool and only one black coach in the NFL currently. Um, that, that's what they're going to rely on. As far as the, the, the offers to throw the games, I think they're going to need some sort of proof. But his testimony is evidence. So it is evidence to go to prove the point that can be presented to a judge or a jury. On the Giants and the Broncos... This this stuff I find really, really interesting. Um, did Flores in any way put himself in harm's way for a lawsuit back? I mean, the Denver thing is incredible, saying, hey, these guys came in. They kind of seemed all messed up. They didn't take the interview seriously. They're disheveled. And uh, and what about that whole notion that, hey, I, you know, I do an interview, and, and then I get a text from Belichick sounding like they already hired the other guy? 
Yeah, so I, there, there's no defamation or libel that can be brought because the allegations are made in a court pleading. And so you're protected from libel or defamation. The only thing, the only action that can generate from uh, allegations that are made in a lawsuit is a cause of action called malicious prosecution, which is that you are using the court system in essence for um, bribery or blackmail sort of harassment purposes. You are not, you don't, you do not have a bona fide claim. You don't intend on pursuing a bona fide claim. And the only reason you brought the claim was to harass, bribe, or, or get undue influence over somebody. I think the fact that there were still job openings out there and he put this out there is helpful to argue that I, I, there's no there's no chance there's a malicious prosecution here. He's got enough evidence. They put enough statistics in there that I think they're going to survive any sort of motion to dismiss. So I don't think Denver or the Giants have any recourse against him as far as defamation, libel or malicious prosecution. I will say that a lot of what the complaint does works for and against him at the same time. The first few pages of, of the complaint talk about how terrible the Rooney rule is and how it doesn't help. And then he says, well, the Giants and the Broncos violated the Rooney rule. Well, you just said the Rooney rule sucks. So why would they? Why wouldn't they violate it? It doesn't make it any more or less discriminatory if they violated the Rooney rule because you already said the Rooney rule doesn't fix the discrimination that happens within the NFL. So that's not helpful. Um, and... I, I think we are going to see a lot on this because I don't think it's going to settle anytime soon. I think the NFL has to dig in their heels somewhat. Um, I, I'm sure Denver and Miami are going to uh, dig in their heels and the Giants as well. Uh, so we're going to get into some interesting uh, discovery on this. Uh, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, a lot of it is uh, is a lot of noise you know, whether or not John Elway was drunk or hung over when he came in is completely immaterial, right? Uh, the other the other allegation that works against himself is that he did get a job after the 2019 interview with Denver. He got it with Miami, and by his own admission, he's fired because he won't cheat, not because he's black. And so I, I think we, we're going to have a lot of discovery that works for Brian and against him that works for the NFL and their teams and against them. And I think this thing's far from over. This can, this is going to be years in the making. How much does it help if uh, Flores gets eight, nine, 10 other African-Americans, people of color to jump in and, and tell their stories? Oh, I, it's all going to help. Right. Um, now I think what would be really interesting is if Houston Texans offered him the job right now, that would be really interesting. Would he then, take the job and continue to move forward with the lawsuit. Whew. Probably. Um, can the Texans not hire him because of the lawsuit? Probably not. Right. Because that's retaliation. He's brought a bona fide uh, discrimination action and, and arguably, I think a whistleblower action in regards to sports bribery uh, and any retaliatory action, not giving him a job in response to that is further actionable. We talked about the Dolphins and Stephen Ross, and now you're talking about federal stuff. I mean, what are the odds this is another situation like the Panthers with Jerry Richardson, where they're like, hey, you know, we got to get we got to get rid of the guy. And then I wonder, like, how litigious Stephen Ross is 
if he comes back at the league and the other owners and he's like, hey, Dan Snyder, what do you mean you're booting me out? Get Dan. Oh, right. I mean, it's whether or not they push out Stephen Ross, I think is going to be completely dependent on how much they think it's going to hurt the other owners, not necessarily Stephen Ross, right? Because we already heard Hugh Jackson say, uh, hey, that number sounds right to me. I was paid to lose too. He didn't say it that way, but he he impl- he strongly yeah. implied it on Twitter that he was paid to lose too. That Jenny Haslam was happy that he lost, and that the hundred thousand dollar per loss number sounded about right. So if Ross goes down, he's going to Haslam. Haslam goes down. You oh go God. to Washington Football Team or the Commanders. Go to the Commanders. Snyder should be going down. And you know what? Maybe if if Flores and his team are playing some 4D chess, maybe that's what they're trying to do here. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, old white ownership out and, and get some, uh, you know, change in, in ownership throughout the league so that it's more representative of the population and that if they do so, that you'll see, um, you know, general managers more represented, although th- there's more diversity in general managers than there ever has been. Uh, and on down into coaching. Justin Watkins is with us. Last couple of things on this uh, Brian Flores lawsuit claiming racial discrimination from the league and multiple teams in the league. Uh, he just got fired by the Dolphins. He goes after the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos. We talked about getting other folks and you know involved in, in their experiences. I think that is completely fascinating. The other thing that I thought was really interesting yesterday, and I have to think there's a legal reason for it, or maybe they just think we're stupid, um, when a lawsuit is dropped like this, the news comes out. Why do the teams and the league respond immediately within like two hours without really doing any sort of investigation and say, this is without merit, false. Why do you have to put that out? Well, I I, I heard a lot of people uh, in media jumping on that saying, well, they haven't even read the allegations. The reality is I would be shocked if they hadn't had some level of communication with Flores' attorney and were generally or specifically aware of what these allegations were days or weeks or even months in advance. I would be shocked. You don't file this lawsuit without trying to settle it first. They go to, you know, they're going to send them a copy of the complaint. Hey, if you want to negotiate settlement on this, on this claim, let me know. Otherwise we intend on filing this on February 1st. That that's, what any good lawyer is going to do in that situation. So the fact that the NFL came out and said it's without merit, I don't know where else they were supposed to say. If Peter King advocates for them saying, Ooh, we're going to look into these allegations. uh, No, I'm not. Not Uh like that. I'm not going to do an investigation like we did with Daniel Snyder and Washington football team. I'm already a defendant in a lawsuit. And the other two people that you want me to investigate are co-defendants. I'm not going to prove your case for you. That's legally a, as bad of a movie as it can make. So absolutely, you're going to stand up and say, without merit, prove the case. If they prove the case, I'll take some action. But I'm not going to prove the case for you. If you had come to me outside of the litigation process and said, let's work towards something, maybe I could have done something as a part of a settlement and waiver of any further litigation. But, but it would be really bad lawyering for the nfl to step in here and say okay we're going to open an investigation because of this allegation has been made 
and we're going to investigate our co-defendants to determine whether or not we have any liability ourselves. Like, I, I would not advise that. So gut feeling. We always like to get gut feeling. I mean, it's early on. We don't have all the facts yet. Gut feeling. Um, this last like three years, what happens? Is there a settlement? And is it one of these deals kind of like Kaepernick where Flores at least gets a bunch of money is set for life or could he fight to the end, not get any money and then not be a coach in the NFL ever again? I don't think either of those two things are happening. I think, I think he's going to get a job, whether he's a coordinator or head coach, whether it's pro or college, he's going to get a job. Um, and I think he's going to continue the lawsuit. I don't, I don't know his personality at all, but reading from the complaint, he seems to be sort of square, seems to be a rule follower. And so I have to imagine if that's his personality type, that this is about the principal and not about the paycheck. And he probably knows he's totally employable. He's not going to go hungry. He's not going to go jobless. He's going to be able to get a job and move forward with this lawsuit in order to institute change. So I suspect that we're going to see a couple of years of this thing. And I expect that we'll probably still see him have a coaching job. Like I said, whether it's college or the NFL, I would be really surprised if he was blackballed from the NFL when the suit is pending. What right. happened with Kaepernick is a little bit different. Boy, wouldn't it be a hoot if I owned an NFL team and I thought the NFL didn't like my team and absolutely did not like my dad wouldn't it be a hoot to bring in Brian uh, Brian Flores to uh work with the Raiders hey I you know what I mean if, if everything that's said in those allegations are true and you're the kind of owner that like feels like you follow the rules and you get punished for it because others are skirting the rules you know Flores might be your guy Justin uh you got a little extra time can you give us five minutes yes sir all right. Sorry about the delay getting into this, but I, I do want to get to a very important story on the way back. I want to get your take as a former public servant, you know, a, a native of Las Vegas and uh, what happened the other day at Cheyenne and Commerce and just a tragic, tragic car accident. What people are asking for, and what could be done? Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers 702-570-9000 with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins Watkins. to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Well, if you missed the last 15 minutes with uh, Justin from Battleborn Injury Lawyers, uh, make sure you go back, listen to the show. We'll have it posted afterwards. LVSportsNetwork.com. LVSportsNetwork.com, as we talked about the uh, developing story of Brian Flores against several teams around the NFL and the league itself uh very important to get this in before we uh, have you move on for the day justin really tragic deal uh just a couple of days ago um you know i mean it's uh the afternoon on a saturday and all of a sudden some jackass is driving 100 miles an hour through an intersection at cheyenne and commerce uh he's gone multiple people in uh, another vehicle are gone uh, total deaths are nine and i'm seeing you know there's a lot of people out there kind of getting on the pedestal about driving fast and we should slow down. And then there's, you know, hey, more ticketing, more cops. What's your reaction as a former public servant? Like, what what do we do to clean up our streets? And I will say, you know, there are times I, I, I will mention to you, I'm like, this is an epidemic. And you're like, it's not that big a deal. I don't think that's going to be a reaction here. I've talked about, you know, no license plates on cars all over the place around Las Vegas. Um, these are tough situations to deal with. But what do lawmakers and what does law enforcement do to kind of 
cut stuff off uh, like this, uh, tragic accidents uh, going down. Yeah, I mean, I have to say when that this news came through, it's just it's just heartbreaking. It's saddening. I don't I don't know because I don't I don't know what the policy fix is. You know, we try these campaigns, zero fatalities. We literally didn't make it 24 hours into 2022 with zero fatalities. Uh, fatalities are going up on the roadways and they're going up for what I'll say is intentional purposes, decisions that are being made. It's not like tons of drunk driving fatalities. These are fatalities from people intentionally like speeding and racing around on the roadways or making the decision to look at their phones and become distracted or get on a phone call and become distracted or look at the, the entertainment screen and, and become distracted. They're making choices to take their attention off the road. And, you know, as a result, people are dying. And, and so what's the fix to that? I wish I knew the policy fix. I really do. You know, because we can go with harsher penalties for speeding and distracted driving. We can. Um, the, the reality of that is, is it's so prevalent that we would end up with 50% of the population not having a license. You know, maybe that's where we need to be. I don't know. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm at a loss when we see something like this, when somebody's driving 100 miles an hour. In this town, after all the publicity you've had already for the deaths caused by people racing, you know, prominent professional athletes losing their careers by driving, you know, over 100 miles an hour and killing people, and yet it still happens here. Um, it's just, I don't have, I don't have a better word other than say it's disheartening. What do you, what do you think of uh, laws? And I'm not even sure these are still in the books. In the past, in some states, with. Uh... DUIs, drunk driving, where your car would be taken away. Like, is there a certain point where you're so felonious and such a repeat speeder? Like, in the case of this guy, it looked like he was cited for speeding five times in the last 15 months. Like, is that legal? Can you take someone's car away? Sure, we could write that in. I mean, for, for, for DUIs, 100% I'm in on that. For excessive speeding, I'm, you know... I think there is a sort of a graduated penalty scale that I I think most of the public will get on board with. I mean, if if you speed over a hundred miles an hour, you know more than let's call it. I, I'm making up policy on the fly, but let's say it's three strikes and you're out. You know what? You speed over a hundred miles an hour three times, you cannot have a license in this state. I, I would be in favor of that. I mean, at those speeds. You are basically assured of killing yourself or killing somebody else if you make a mistake of uh, and 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 get into a collision. Um, for certain DUI and impairment based offenses, um, you know, I think that there is a there is a time period. Maybe it's three. Maybe, I, I'm not sure what it is, uh, but I would be in favor of three. And you don't you do not get your license again, or the process for getting a license back in the state is a five or 10 or 15 year process, some long process. I would absolutely be in favor of, of those kind of policy uh, positions. Yeah, sad stuff in this case. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, he was a repeat offender and often in all parts of town too. Uh, you know, driving 20, 20, that's what he cited for driving 20, 25 miles an hour, uh, miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, Justin, what do you got coming up, man? I never asked you about what's, what's going on. He's super busy. I know you might be jetting out of town right now. What's happening? Yeah, you know, it's a, today actually, um, we, we have started a, 
another company called 1909 Group, which actually uh, runs political campaigns, uh, judicial campaigns. So we have our first fundraiser for our first judicial candidate today. So I'm I'm all dressed in a suit today. Uh, all right. And so I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to head on the road to uh, to Brianhead to do some snowboarding tomorrow. Nice. Five seven zero nine thousand is the number to call Battleborn Injury Alerts. Five seven zero nine zero zero. Justin, appreciate it. Very good spot. Have fun. Be safe. All right. Thanks, fellas. There he is, Justin Watkins in the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. Four o'clock hours on the way. We're going to check in on some college football. Uh, more breakdown of last week's games, especially the quarterback play from. Guys like Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes, uh, again, about 15 minutes away from talking to our Wednesday football insider, Caleb Herring. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.